Greetings and salutations, Sleuth listeners. Great to have you with us. It's the V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Repco. I thought I'd just mix up the opener this week, oh, just for something different. Greetings and salutations to you, Will Dale. Do you think that works, or should I park it for next week? Look, it worked for today. We'll, we'll look back at it. We'll have we'll do some testing. We'll do an evaluation. I.e., no, it's not coming back next week. I'll come up with another opening. Hey, welcome to you. It is great timing because this week, Supercars are back. Repco Supercars Championship returns to Sydney Motorsport Park for the first of four rounds in a row. That's a back-to-back-to-back-to-back weekend. We're playing all the hits and plenty more. Uh, Repco Bathurst 1000, of course, is on the horizon too. We will be bringing the Bathurst at the mountain in December. But because we're going into an all-Sydney month of racing, Will, I thought, you thought, we thought this was great timing to really be the excuse to take a look at something that is Sydney-based, touring car-flavoured, one-track category, the Amps Car Series. This is a perfect time for us to look back at the great history of the Amps Car Series at Amaru Park, the track that's no longer there. There's a few houses in that same location now. Because we've got scary similarities about to occur for the next fortnight, uh, well, not a fortnight, the next two <laughs> fortnights. Absolutely. Like four races, I was going to say back to back to back to back, but you've already done that, that shtick in Sydney. It's like- it's a, almost a series within a series. Like the fact, well, it is a series, it is within, a series, a series. within a series because I believe that there's a Sydney Cup on the line. There is indeed the a Sydney Cup. The Bowfair Sydney Cup with a twenty-five thousand dollars cash, cash prize. prize. So that is the top point scoring driver from the next four weekends of racing wins cash, cold hard <laughs> cash. But you know what? Like everything in motorsport, and like everything where they wheel it out and go, it's flashy and it's new and it's great. It's actually not. It's been done before. And you know what? They really, 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 really should have rung us before they put the Borough Pair Sydney Cup together. It was so close to being a really, re- it's a good thing. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I like the idea. I like the concept. I'm glad they're doing it. But it was so close from being, not being, going from a really good thing to a really, really, really good thing. So this is what they should have done. Called up Aaron and Will and said, hey, we've got these rounds at Sydney. It's going to be great. We've got four weekends of racing in a row. We're going to give some cash away to the top point scoring driver for the top for the four rounds combined. And we would have said, that's great. You know what you should do? You should call it the Amps Car Series for Absolutely. supercars. Because, of course, it, City Motorsport Park is the current home of the Australian Racing Drivers Club, who mm. were the organisers and promoters of the Amps Car Series, who ran Amaru for, for so many years and, of course, ran the great race at Bathurst at Mount Panorama during its really glory years from the 60s through to the late 90s. That would have been perfect. It Absolutely. fits the box. It's not trying to put a label on something that didn't work. It would have worked because you'd say it's the ARDC's current home, it's a wonderful series name from the history of the sport that was for touring cars. It was won by so many of the great names of the sport in terms of the series, in terms of the races, in terms of the rounds. All the cars that over time raced in the touring car championship, or most of the ones that mattered, mm. raced in the Amps Car Series. It had wonderful television uh, on Channel 7. Who would have yeah. thought? And we're going to have Channel 7 cover two of the four Sydney events, the first one this weekend and the last one in November before we go to Bathurst. So all the synergies were there. We could have had the Beau Repairs Amps Car Series for supercars or or found a way to put the Amps Car label in among all this as a dip of the lid to history. But I reckon this is one that's been missed in this particular instance. But you know what? Aaron and Will, V8 Sleuth, our team, we will award the Amps Car Series this year <laughs> to the top point scoring driver from the four rounds at Sydney Motorsport Park. Fair deal. A sash and a plate and a um, bunch <laughs> of Toledo t- and some Toledo tools. <laughs> yeah. Some CRC thrown in there <laughs> uh, just to keep things lubricated. So for those who've been on another planet and don't know what the hell are these two dropkicks talking about, <laughs> the Amps Car Series was an Amaru-based track series for touring cars. So- it wasn't a part of the Australian Touring Car Championship, wasn't part of the Australian Endurance Championship, although we'll cover off shortly that some of those rounds also did score points towards mm. the Amps Car Series. In essence, it was a track championship for touring cars that was created out of the history of what had gone on in the 70s. There'd been the Sun 7 Series, and so touring car racing and their own track-based series wasn't new, but the Amps Car brand was new in 1979. Mm. It was kind of a the idea of having a track championship is nothing really new in motorsport in general. Like no, Speedway, Speedway do it all the time. Yeah, and so 
Noons, what do you think AMSCAR stands for? Because it's an unusual name, but it kind of looks like it should be an acronym. It kind of is an acronym. It sort of is, but it sort of isn't because you'd think that there'd be a word for every letter. Mm. So, of course, AMSCAR being a touring car series, the AM, Amaru. Makes sense. Yep. The S, Saloon. It's not a T, is it, for touring? It's not. No. But Amped Car wasn't as catchy. No, it doesn't work. And, of course, car means car. Yep. Amory Saloon Cars. It makes sense. Yeah. It made sense. And, and it was backed by Rothmans to begin with. And I'll read this for you. This is from January 4, 1979. Front cover of Auto Action Magazine, $60,000 Amaru Touring Car Series. Imagine what that is grand now. now. What's yeah. that? Two fifty. Yeah, something like something that. Something like that? Yeah. Um, backed by Rothmans, um, 4N Series will offer a record $60,000 in prize money. So it was restricted to over three litre cars. So Tiranas hmm. and, and Falcons were the. Which was a key differentiation from the series that preceded it, which were generally for under three mm. litre cars. Yeah, yeah. Amaru was quite big on under three litre and small capacity touring car series in the, mm. the time before that. So they, were, they, were, they had four rounds in that first year and they were short and sharp five lap heat, eight lap heat, 13 lap heat. Bang, 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 bang. And of course, the track's only just under two kilometres. So blink and hmm. you miss the races. Short, sharp, get in, get out. Great for television. And that Absolutely. was the key for the Amps Car Series throughout its whole time because it was in Channel 7's backyard. It was um, the the motorsport team that did the touring car, which in the early years only did Bathurst. Yeah. Touring Car Championship came along in 85 for seven, but Mike Raymond and the whole seven team in Epping, Amaru is like a stone's throw away. That yeah. is literally – and being a short, small venue, I don't know how many cameras they covered it with if you did the mental picture of some of the telecasts, but not, not many. many was pretty cheap TV to make. And it meant that during the year, of course, Bathurst was their centrepiece, their big technological like race cam and all the other stuff that they do around it. But Amaru was basically their research and development. So you'd see in the smaller categories you'd, or in the touring cars, you'd see race cams fitted. In the smaller categories, you'd see race cams fitted and all sorts of other things that they'd try to make sure that the Bathurst show was absolutely as good as it could be. Perfect little way to- uh to wind things up and get it all crankied along, and and it and it works so well. Some of those early early rounds from '79, uh, we've actually got copies of those. We actually managed to save those from the tape bin. Mm. Uh, luckily, we've released some of that stuff on DVD over the years. We've got more of it to put out uh, in upcoming years. But a lot of people ask, why do we put out so much Amaru? It's because there's so much of it. <laughs> Not just the Amps car rounds, but there was some plenty of enduros and and stuff like that along the way. So in 1979, Bob Morris won every round. Four rounds held. The year that he won the Australian Touring Car Championship, he also won the Amps Car Series. Knocked over all four rounds. Uh, in terms of the individual races that were held in that inaugural series, he won all of them except one. <laughs> Who won the other one? Ooh. Was it a teammate? Yes, it was. Was it a teammate racing an you identical delivery? It, it was Alan it. Moffat. Correct. Alan Moffat in a Tirana, Holden Tirana. Yep. Ron Hodgson Tirana. Uh, I think if you look at the tape- I think you might find he might have been gifted it a little bit too, just <laughs> quietly. Uh, but they were short, sharp races, five-lap opener, eight-lap second lap uh, second race, 13-lap third race. So Morris streeted them, was on Channel 7, great publicity. And what you found that series over the years, a lot of the times the big names didn't always run towards it. Mm. But over time, it was big for Sydney privateers, mm. Terry Shield, Terry Finnegan. They all won races. Yeah. And sometimes up against guys who were top-line touring car drivers and teams at the time. But a bit of home track advantage as the cars evolved a bit later. Some of the cars were a bit better suited to that track. But the list, the role honour of, of marquee events happening in the Amps car series is actually huge. Alan Moffat's first Mazda touring car win was at an Amps car round in 82. Oh, in the Stuyvesant Mazda. Which makes sense. Like, Amaru perfectly suited to the RX-7. Little car, good mm. handling, didn't need heaps of torque to get up Bitcher Pave Hill. And just did it perfectly. Yeah. And the Mazdas were star cars there. Terry Shield, oh, Barry Jones. Uh, and the other thing is, the other great Japanese invader of Australian touring car racing in the 80s was Nissan. Mm, and that's yes. where the Bluebird had its first win with Fred ah. Gibson because there was a Sydney-based Bluebird. George mm. Fury was off racing the Melbourne-based car through the uh, Australian Touring Car Championship. But Freddie was Sydney-based at the time and had a car in Sydney and went and did the, the Amaru Series. So Amps Car's life, it was 79 was when it was kicked off. Then it stopped. Mm. There was still touring car racing for the next following years at those Amaru track uh, rounds or events. 
But in 1980, of course, touring car racing changed. Yes. The Tiranas were gone. The Falcon hardtops were gone. So there was no Amps car series per se. There were some touring car challenge events at a couple of these Amaru meetings during the year with small fields of, you know, four cars, six cars, kind of just made for TV, uh, get a few cars going. And realistically, with the rule change, there weren't many outright class cars around at that point. No, they, they picked tra- up yeah. as the year went on, but it took a little while to hmm. to get going. Teams to build new VB slash VC Commodores and, you know, whoever was crazy enough to try to get a Camaro and a few XD <laughs> Falcons and that sort of stuff going on. So for 81... There was, a, again, a touring car series, better brake series, but it was an under-three-litre series. Alan Grice and the BM was-, was 3.5 kind of, Well, it was 3.5 because it got the BMW in. Yeah. It was normally a three-litre <laughs> series, but that got him in to race against the Capris and the and the other cars. So the Amps car series per se as a brand and as a name came back in 82. Hmm. Then it ran all the way through to 93, and it was reborn for one year in 1997, and sadly there was plenty of politics, which we'll get into a little bit later on there. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable. Its legacy is really strong because ask any race fan, hardcore fan out there, Amps car, and I think you'll get nothing but pretty happy memories. Oh, absolutely! Like one of my one of my sort of early racing memories is the '88 series, and like the first round of that, yeah, you had Crompton instead of Neil Crompton instead of being in the booth, he was in one of the mobile, Peter Brock's Mobile M3, and then Brock was in the booth instead, and loved it so much he thought, "Shit, I need to get out there at the next round and have a go at this." <laughs> Team didn't have the budget to do it, but he did it anyway. So. Exactly, exactly. He kicked Richo, or he he got back in his car and put Neil in Jim's car, mm. Jim Richards' car. Mm. <laughs> um, Doug Mulray was in the commentary booth for that opening round as well that year, and was it was just entertaining. I think they were a bit looser with things they for the Amps Car loose, Series yes. rounds. And from my memory, clearly they were, were strong from a television point of view into Sydney in terms of timing. Melbourne, other places around the country, I think Sunday night was usually the, the oh, place that North they could shuffle to. On we got it in the afternoons. Yeah, you know, it'd be special. And probably Queensland. Brisbane as well. Yeah, yeah, right. In Melbourne and Victoria, we got nothing. We, got, we had to yes. wait till, yeah. till later on. But over the course of time- um, one driver really emerged. Well, two drivers stand out in the history books of Amps Car as the the dominant drivers, and it, and it really comes back to two things. One being that the team that they both drove for to begin with was based in Sydney, mm. that had major tobacco sponsorship that would race wherever there was a TV camera, and then the fact that one of those drivers created his own team with the same uh, parent company but with a different brand and they had the same viewpoint of things, that if there was a TV camera in a race meeting, they needed to be at it, regardless of of what it was. And I'm talking about Jim Richards and Tony Longhurst. So Longhurst is the most winning Amps Car Series driver in terms of Series 1, Rounds 1, Races 1, but I think you'll find that he was there in the period right through. Like hmm. He ran from when he turned up in 85 in the 323 BMW, he ran the 325 the next year, the M3 the next year, and then when he made his own Sierra team from 88, he was a constant figure at the Amps car rounds all the way through till, what, 93? when, yeah, it, when the end it of the BMWs. The end of the BMW era. So he probably, and we haven't done the stats on this, but he probably started the most Amps car rounds of pretty much anyone and everyone out there. Surely of any of the big-name top-line drivers of that year, maybe a couple of privateers might have might have edged him, but you, but oh, I don't know. Yeah, I reckon he'd be- Yeah. For be, the era that he raced across, sure, yeah. I think you're probably right. Yeah, and he did a lot of winning um, in the Amps Car Series in terms of rounds and races. So, grand total of round wins for Tony Longhurst. He won uh, 10 rounds of the series, including Ooh. one shared with Jim Richards. Jim had nine, including one shared with Tony Longhurst. Do you remember the shared one? <laughs> yes. The um, Hardy Irrigation 100, I mm. believe. Yeah, 1987. Yeah. Uh, at that time, the Enduro that Amaru had every year, which had been a you know Better Breaks 300 or a CRC 300, um, Endurance Championship had disappeared in 87. Mm. So, But they still had this race, and it counted as the final round of the Amps Car Series that year. So... Uh, was it, am I, is my memory right? Jim Richard started in one car, Tony Longhurst started in the other car that broke its gear lever going up the hill on the first lap. Yes. And then he ended up jumping in the other car later on and co-driving that to victory. So he failed to finish and won the same race. 
<laughs> Correct. Because he know, only jumped th- in for the very last couple of laps in that in the other M three too. Because that evil car swapping thing wasn't it only Brock who ever did that and only ever won. <laughs> yes, it seems to be the yeah. way that whenever I read about it on socials, a lot of people forget that other people did it. Not many other people got a win out of it, but these guys did. Amaru in eighty seven. It's a really good point. Mm. Really good point. Mm. Yeah. I think that was, but, also, was that also one of the last wins for the BMW M3 in the JPS era? I think they would have gone the Oran Park Enduro after that, maybe? Uh, but- I think the Oran Park Enduro might have been before that. Oh, I can't remember. Would, would have been because yeah. they didn't win anything in the back end of the year after the, the mm. big races started up. So, But uh, along the way, we talk about the big names getting the wins. There were some little names that got wins. Yes. The, the names that you go, oh, good trier. Good privateer, good solid operator. Um, if you look at the race wins list of Amps Car, and I've put these together in the last few weeks because I knew we were doing this podcast. Mm. So Gary Wilmington's Jag won an Amps Car race. That's unbelievable. I had no idea about that. That's yep. amazing. 1986, five lapper in round two, which was the first standalone round because mm. the Touring Car Championship round when it was the opening round uh, in that year was the, the, was also the first Amps, the Amps car, car round too. So, so you went from... Jim Richards dominating the 85 series. He won every race. He won. Uh, he clean swept the first two rounds that were standalone rounds of three races. He won the Touring Car Championship race, and then he won the Better Breaks 300 Enduro. So he kind of became the, the guru of that stuff. But uh, in 86, though, it was the mixed bag of mixed bags because <laughs> you had Wilmington won a race, <laughs> Gary Rogers won a race on the same weekend or on the same day, and Charlie O'Brien won the final in the bumper-to-bumper BMW. So that's the most unlikely three wins <laughs> of any touring car event, I reckon, in Australian touring car history. Not because those guys were no good, just that they're the only ones that you could really flag out of them winning at the same time in the same yeah. place. Um, and, G- and Jim was there that weekend. Yeah, it's yeah, just, he, he just was. didn't have a good one. He, he bounced back the next time out and, and had a win, but John Bow did some winning in the Volvo that year. Uh, Glenn Seaton popped up in the, in the skyline and did a bit of winning. But it's 87, and, and it's no surprise that Jim and Longhurst and Fury were the guys winning races, mm. but Trevor Ashby... Flying the flag for the Commodores, won a race at that uh, opening round in '87, uh, which I reckon's got to stand out as just about his best achievement. And he won the round, yes, not just the race. Pipped he won the day overall. By two points. Yeah, he won it overall up against Richards and Longhurst and Oxo Sierras. Medecki was probably kicking it around. So, yep, correct. You know, he beat some good dudes there at, at a Commodore around Amaru. Generally, not a really good thing to have. Really, I think that would possibly be the only Commodore win. On the road that year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because the two World Championship race wins for Moffat and Harvey and Brock and his mobile cohorts were- They weren't actually leading at the They weren't the winning car on the wins, track on the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They weren't first to the post. So, And that's the great thing about Amps Car. This thing's not had much highlight on its history over the course mm. of time. So, we wanted to put the, the spotlight on it. And it's good timing because of supercars being in Sydney at the one track. Because Amaru was the one track. Yeah. Although it wasn't the only track to host an Amps car race because mm. the series sort of petered out at the end of 93. Of course, the rise of the V8 rules, the real part of it was Tiga, the touring car entrance group, binding them all together, being a collective and going to promoters. And, of course, the V8 supercar thing evolved with Tony Cochran and IMG. So it kind of disappeared. There were plans for a 94 Amps car series, but that all sort of died. I think it, I think the final plan was that it was just going to be a one-off event, mm. which uh, which Steve Johnson was entered in. The photo car, car was going to run. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there were only maybe three entries, and he yeah, was well, one of them. So not they can't happen, it. is it? So. No, yes. <laughs> and of course, Amaru um, hosted its last touring car round in '94. Mm. So touring cars after that, apart from Super Touring, two liter race there, obviously for a few years, it closed in 1998. But the ARDC was looking to its future and, it, you know, its base now is is what was Eastern Creek, Sydney Motorsport mm. Park. But it was revived, the Amps Car Series, for 1997, but it came at a time when the politics were seriously interesting because <laughs> V8 <laughs> supercars were- it, yes. Yeah, V8 supercars were often flying. So this is V8 supercars who had been told the previous year by the Bathurst Consortium that five litres were dinosaurs, that- they weren't the way of the future. So they went off and did their own Bathurst and were doing their own thing. <laughs> a Bathurst consortium that included the ARDC. Correct. Yes. And um, the Amps Car Series was reborn for the following year for V8 privateers. So mm. kind of the essence of what the series had been previously, but with a control Goodyear tyre. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the kicker bit, though, that where would the Amps Car Series hold one of its rounds of support to? The Bathurst 1000 two-litre race. <laughs> so you had this situation where um, the series was going to, uh, in essence, so Avesco and Cochrane felt that, hang on a minute, these guys didn't want to know about this style of racing, yeah. yet now they do. Hang on a minute, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. You, can't, you cannot have your cake and eat it too, although no. they definitely tried. And in 97... This just goes to show you, I mean, you, 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 your brain will slip out of your ear when you hear this one. So, in 97, mm-hmm. they scheduled the first Amps car round at Amaru on the same weekend as the Simmons Plains V8 supercar round, and also on the same weekend was the Lakeside Super Touring round. Seriously. That's aggressive. What were they thinking? Unbelievable. Yeah. So, basically, Cam's told the ARDC, we're not going to sanction your first round <laughs> because it clashes with don't, the Simmons Plains. Don't be Plains. dumb, basically. Yeah, don't be silly. And- yeah. And they, so I'm actually reading back through some of the magazines of the time. And yeah, a, ra- a race or an Amps car round supporting the two litre Bathurst 1000 was on the cards. So I had to find some quotes from Coco to, uh, to bring to the party. <laughs> I imagine they'd today. be slightly spicy. Yeah. So some quotes from Ivan Stibbard basically were saying, well, all bets are off. Uh, Cam's forgot the rule about. Uh, same categories running two race meetings at the same circuit within three weeks uh, when they allocated the Bathurst date for October 19. Uh, <laughs> so everyone was having a crack here. Uh, and then the other big issue, and this is where it all came to a head, so the first planned round of 97 got canned, got turned into a ride day. And, and the way that it all happened was because Tiga owned the only CAMS-approved um, engine RPM rev monitors. <laughs> so either the AODC had to develop their own or get it all approved. So that didn't happen, and it went to court, and in the end, they got parked up. And um, uh, did you say they- in a recent podcast that someone rolled a car on that yeah, ride day? Though? Um, Jeff Kendrick, yeah, uh, with Robbie Farr, the sprint car driver, uh, alongside him. The so basically, ride. what happened in '97? Um, Cams pleaded its case for not issuing the permit. Uh, it went to the New South Wales Supreme Court. Jeez, yeah, like it was, it was well, full on. Oh, yeah, fair enough. So. The ARDC served them with a summons in the week of the round. Keys, um, Cams's key to their successful defence was that it was about the rev monitors, saying that, and the judge ruled that Cams had given the ARDC enough notice that without the Cams approved Tiga rev monitors or another system approved by Cams, mm. that the cars are illegal under the national regulations. They couldn't <laughs> run those style of cars. So <laughs> it was just a. An absolute poo fight, and uh, the cars ended up going on track to do demo runs and corporate rides. So um, they ended up getting the series up and running. Uh, it it had Channel Seven TV coverage, but by then Channel Seven's motorsport wasn't what it was because mm. Ten had taken over at Supercar rides. Mike Raymond wasn't involved. They were produced by AVE, half-hour shows, aired at 11 o'clock at night a couple of weeks later. Yeah. And I think by the time that the series and the Bathurst round disappeared, that got pulled off the calendar. Uh, Although cars did, t- they did run the test day. day. Yeah, the they media ran day. the media day because Mick Donoghue walled an ultra-tune Commodore. Yes. Watered it up pretty good. That um, They did end up running four rounds, I think, from my memory that year. But by the time they got to the last round, there was no TV coverage. It was the first weekend of December at a state-type-based meeting. Mm. Paul Will made his first V8 start that weekend, actually. The field was seven cars, and the Amscar series died a very quiet death yeah. um, at the end of 1997, which is a very sad way for it to go. But I thought that there was an opportunity this year that we bring it back, so hence why we're, we're yes. talking about it now some – well, we're nearly at a 25th anniversary of the final one, so yeah, surely yeah. next year we should do something special. Yeah, um, your mention of Paul Wheel there at the very final round sort of reminds me of one of the things I always loved about the Amscar series. It was the cameos, the cameo appearances of drivers, either drivers who weren't regularly in the series or drivers who were in cars that you wouldn't normally expect to see them in. You've already mentioned probably the best, biggest Amscar cameo. Alan Moffat in the Ron Hodgson Tirana in, Absolutely. in 79. But what other cameos are standing out to you? Well, the standout one for me, again, I go back to 1988. It was when Dick Johnson turned up at an AMS car round to try and ensure he won a computer. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there was a cash incentive reason why he was yes. doing that. Because the he, NEC he, and Brock, he and Brock didn't really run 
Amp's car. No. They did a bit in the Group C era, but once the Group A stuff kicked in, they just didn't really do Their it. cars weren't suited to Amaru either nah. against the Group A opposition. Nah. Of course, they had to do the touring car round. It was part of their national circus, but- mm. The Amps car round, even though there was TV coverage and, and – I mean, Brock, Brock's team went and did it in the, the BMW days because the cars were a bit more applicable to, yeah. to that track. But it's funny, Alan Grice actually probably made one of the biggest cameos in the Amps car series, and he probably did two of them actually because the recar Commodore that he drove with Alan Brown in 82, he ended up driving that in an Amps car round and winning the round, having just been to go and test it for Alan Brown. <laughs> and it all went so well. He said, why don't you have a race? Okay. And he went and won. So, uh, and then the next year he drove the Citizen Watchers Ken Matthews car oh, in 83. Yeah. And I think he got himself, he and Masterton got in a, and Masterton got in some blues. Do you remember Steve Masterton had, he had a, um, a, a movable grill. flap on the front of on the front bumper. Correct. So, yeah. it, it, when it was under airload pressure cutting through the air, it pushed the um, the grill back in to allow air inside towards the engine and cool mm. things down. It was ruled not it was to a be- movable aerodynamic yes, device. Correct. And it was ruled to be <laughs> on a, not on within- a big Group C Falcon. Yeah, it was ruled to not quite be in the rules. So yes, then got a bit of a slap for it, I think, from memory too. But um, and the thing is with the Amps car series, I think its legacy is really solid because here we're talking about a series that look apart from 97, died at 93. Mm. You know, we're talking about something that's nearly 30 years gone. Yeah. And uh, the track is gone. Yeah. It was, you know, nine-tenths run out over People time. People live on it now. Yeah, correct. And But you look at the names and it's never had its history celebrated. Muscle Car did a great couple of stories on it over the last year or two in their mag. Mm. But beyond that, no one's really done anything about the Amps car series. No one's – I mean, if we're in a situation in the future moving forward that there's a specific track that might host a regular style of racing, why not bring back the Amps car series banner for something, particularly if it's connected to the AIDC. It's yeah. their banner. It's the one that they created and ran with for, for so many years. So if you were going to bring the Amps car series back mm-hmm. and we're not going to have the same track host four supercar rounds in a row <laughs> uh, in the future, this is a very different time mm-hmm. – What's the most applicable return of the, the brand? How would you Ooh. wheel it out and what would you apply it to? That's an extremely good question that I wish I'd had more notice to think about as I'm not that great at thinking of these things on the spot. Um, you would think it ideally it'd be a New South Wales track, which therefore limits the choices. It does cut it down just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I do like the idea of it being at Eastern Creek because it does have that sort that obvious link to the ARDC, but I'd probably run it on, on a mixture of the different circuits. What sort of cars? Hmm. TA2, Trans Am cars. Oh, I don't mind that. That's a great idea. Would you have to have all the rounds at the one track? Could you have a couple? I guess I guess the does last- does take it too far away? I think that this? probably takes it too far okay. away. If, if they were all in New South Wales, I could maybe be amenable Bathurst, to that. Bathurst, SMP. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe Wakefield. Hmm. No, I don't mind it. Mm. Uh, what I, would you do? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the thought. I like the thought of it for TCR. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Touring car routes. Yep. Um, there are a lot of Sydney-based TCR teams. Probably a high proliferation of Sydney-based TCR teams than any other category in the country. Yep. Um, yes, they have Bathurst races and plan to do so in the future. SMP as well. So I think it'd be a nice series within the series. Yeah, yeah, that's they wouldn't be standalone you know, yeah. away from the TCR series. I don't see how you could no, kind of kind of do yeah. that. It's got to be sort of all concurrent. But I think it'd be another thing. It's if you're in the marketing and promotional part of a business, the more things that you can talk about and tell the world about, and maybe sell some sponsorship to, yeah, um, would be not a bad way to go about it. So the Hardy Iplex Amscar series. Well, Good point you make there. Had some interesting sponsors over the <laughs> yeah. years. The Aurora AFX Amps Car Series. That was a good one. In 93, the yep. slot cars at the time were pretty big. Yep. Uh, what else do we have? The- the, there, there was a year where they were all rotating Hardy James Hardy brands. So, Hardy Iplex, Wilson Fabrics. Um, I think Better Breaks was one of them as well. Um, that's that's the end of my- Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> Ro- my Rothmans was the first yep. in 79. Um Better Breaks had a run there for a time. 
Uh, James Hardy Building Products was yeah, another one I think as well. Yeah, it was 88, I think, from my yep. memory off the top of my head, or 89 around that time. Um, short, and then, ca- short and catchy title. Yeah, there was a couple <laughs> of years where it didn't have an aiming rights partner for mm. the series overall. Um, and the last year, I don't think- I mean, The last good, year was the year. Aurora AFX one, I think, wasn't uh, it? No, that was 93, but for yeah. 97, oh, I, think, yes. I can't remember if Goodyear had the naming rights to it as well as- Because they supplied the tyres. It's the only time that Goodyear have supplied tyres to- you know, V8 touring car teams, um, yeah. which- I wonder uh, how they compared. Uh, not too badly. Not yeah. as fast, not as yeah. not as quicker times, but pretty durable from was, what I remember. It's interesting to think that, that a company would produce a tyre for a supercar, and it was still open tyre era, even though that era was closing at the end mm. of the following year, but for them to never actually appear- at a at any other supercars event outside of the Amstel series, or even try to, or yeah. man, I would be really interested to know whether they saw that as potentially an in point to then build from to try to because mm. of course Hoosier had dipped their toe in the previous year, yeah, and sort of dipped it in and then dipped it out mm. pretty quickly after the dip in. So yeah, all these little elements make up an amazing history of the mosaic of of the Amps car series. Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years. From the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them, AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au. Final Amps Car Champion was... It's an extremely good question. Uh, Malrose? Correct. In the formerly Fairfax Community Classifieds yeah. black and fluoro yellow Commodore, which uh, won two rounds of the four in that last year in, in 97, but did win most of the races. Uh, last Amps Car Series round winner wasn't Malrose, by the way. Um, I'm going to assume it wasn't Paul Wheel either, given it was his first weekend in a supercar. You're correct, but that wasn't the question. Uh, Bob Pearson? No, Mick Donoghue. Yeah. In the return after he'd crashed the car at the Bathurst Media Day, they got another car and rolled it out, and, and he won that last round at Eastern Creek, which, mm. as far as I'm aware, there is no television footage, and I've never seen any photos. Oh, really? That one right. wasn't shown on TV? Nope. Because it was a state- Level By that time, meeting. I think it all just fizzled. Oh, I know yeah. AVE did and have shown on their motorsport. Is it motorsport TV app that they've run mm. over the years? There have been some of those earlier Amps Car rounds because Amps Car in '97 they ran around at Amaru. Oh, and three rounds were at Eastern Creek, mm. and one round was at Amaru at the Super Touring round. Yeah. So, um, isn't it funny how V8s became the support for Super Touring and? <laughs> Oh, history's a very strange, funny old type of thing. But, uh, yeah, that last year in 97 was all privateers. There was Mm. no – obviously, the main game teams, politically, they had their own championship. And why turn up and go and race at this other thing for – Especially because they all had tyre deals, so they wouldn't have been able to run on a good year control tyre. And, of course, by that stage, we're in franchise land. So, you've Mm. got commitments to not just the events that you've got to do, but also then precluding you from doing other things. But what an amazing scenario where – we had, you know, we've we've seen date clashes over the years for various events, the the twelve hour and the supercar test day, and things that have caused real divide. But you had a V eight supercar round in Tasmania on the same weekend <laughs> as a super touring round in Lakeside in Queensland, and the Amps Car Series due to start at, in Sydney at Amaru. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the the V eights and the two leaders had a a clash that weekend was bad enough, and then they went and added <laughs> that into the mix. I mean, yeah. oh jeepers, it just it just never ceases. But really, listen, if you were going to do that as a clash, Tas- having the V8s in Tasmania that weekend probably wasn't the worst thing because very few privateers went down there for that round, even if yeah. they were planning on it. Yeah, it was it was always a small draw for ta- uh, for privateers that weren't Tassies. Mm. I think Ray Hislop was the only privateer yeah, that was down there. I think he was. There. Darren Hossack, I think, might have been there in the, the wins car. And, of course, sadly, we lost Gary Dumbrell very recently yeah. too, who'd uh, been heavily involved in, in that program. So, I mean, you look back at the list of- um, Winners in the amp. Oh, actually, no, not so much the winners. But I was looking back through the the race formats, and and it it was built on short and sharp. Hmm. There, there was no fifty lap marathon enduroy type thing. I mean, over the years they tweaked the number of laps and what the formats were, but not crazily, not to hmm. the point of radical change. Quite uh, regularly, it all started with. Five, eight, 13 laps. Then we went, oh, well, let's split the cars. Over three litre heat, under three litre heat, which 
Mazda RX-7s and light rear end, and then combine them for the final race. Have a bit of a longer 25-lapper. I don't think there was an Amps car race. If you count, if you don't count the Touring Car Championship races, mm. there wasn't an Amps car race longer than 25 laps. No, short, so, sharp. What, 50K race. Yeah. Mm. Short, probably, sharp. Probably one ad break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you've got your TV hat on, that's yeah. the way to look at it. But- it was good with the short, sharp races because it meant that you'd be right you'd, in the TV coverage. You'd have a race. Do a bit of like a feature story, then another race, like a support race, whether it's Formula Ford or Sports Sedans or the TR7 series or oh, the Alpha yes, Suits. Yes, yes. Then back into another feature story, then another touring car race, and it just go like that through the entire day. Yeah, and, and it works well. Who would have thought? Lots mm. of racing. What are people there to see? Racing. racing. Oh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> How good. How good. Yeah. Let's get more of it. Yes. Uh, I'm going to start a little mission though that. Uh, Every week on the podcast on Repco Supercars Weekly, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the updated Amps Car Series point score. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, um, Melrose is still the carryover reigning <laughs> Amps Car <laughs> champion. I think so, you'll be really pleased to know that and to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm still keeping that crown with him, but uh, uh, at the end of the fourth round- Unless uh, something un- very remarkable happens, he probably won't retain retain uh, his title. Something very remarkable, something absolutely remarkable <laughs> will be if he can retain that title. Uh, given he's not contending in any of the rounds and he's not a current Supercars driver, mm. that will be the. Yeah, the I reason don't know whether he qualifies for a super license. Yeah, hmm, don't think so. Mm. Probably hasn't got enough points lately. Uh, the great thing is too, because we had the one track, Amaru over that whole time didn't change its its. Layer. Yeah. They repaved bits and moved yeah, some walls back moved and some cut walls a few trees and stuff like down, that. But, but the, the actual yeah. physical track stayed the same. Went the same place, same way. There wasn't a chicane added or taken out or distance varied or dischopped or tuned. So it gives you really good, interesting numbers on relative speed. Ah. So I thought this was really cool. Yeah. 1979, the first Amaru Amps car round. Bob Morris's pole time in an A9X Tirana. 54.1 seconds, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. So, of course, over time, the speeds come down. Cars get better. Cars get faster. Take out the wet rounds where the yeah. cars are slower because they're wet. By 84, Steve uh, Bob Morris in a Mazda, same driver, five years on, 51.9. So, we've sliced two Different. seconds yeah. as we go. So, we're, we're pruning away. Then we go back to group A. 55.2 we start at for Jim Richard. So it blows out again. Yeah. So by the time we got to the the basically the Sierra's up and firing, we're down in the the 51s and the 50s. Mm. The best qualifying time from an Ants car and I think this would have been the best touring car speed. Scaife in 93 at the last Ants car round, he had pole at 49.61. So 49.61 to 54.1 for Bob Morris in 79. It's almost 5 seconds. 5 seconds in a 50-second-ish lap. That's interesting. It's a pretty big percentage grab, isn't it? And with and they're both V8 rear-wheel drive. They're the most comparative cars yeah. that you could have from that era to the, the next era. Yeah, and horsepower wasn't really a significant factor at Amaru either. You could haul it up the hill. Yeah, but, but that was really that, where it pa- – that was it. Yeah, apart from that, you really didn't get to use it much because – you just used your tyres up. Mm. That's where you, you couldn't put it on the road. <laughs> you just <laughs> yeah. burnt rubber off the rears. Yeah. So, so when you look at these pole position times, it's really interesting to see where the leaps came from along yeah. the way. And there's a few interesting outliers in pole positions over the journey too. Mm. Gary Wilmington won an Amps car race, but he also had a pole oh. in 86 in that round, and he knocked off Jim Richards for pole oh, in the JPS BMW. Uh, Brian Callahan got pole. Ah, uh, yes, in a wet qualifying 1989, session. 1989, in the yeah. mobile concrete pumping Commodore on the was, front row. I think that was an all-Commodore front row, Mark wasn't Gibbs it? Yeah. In the uh, Bob Forbes car. Which was that car's last round as it was written he, he off got, in the he first heat. <laughs> he did, he did yeah. too. Climbed some cars over the Oof, year at Amaru Park. Yeah. Jeez, they tore up some gear there. Um, not just in races, but in, in lead-ups to rounds and practice days and and stuff like that as well. Probably a good chance for us to talk about our friends at the motorsporttrader.com because they keep motorsport memories Alive. I'm not sure if they've got any panels that were crunched at Amaru, but they've got panel, uh, panels uh, that have been crunched at various places over the years. <laughs> Look, if a door from Gary Rogers to A9X Tirana 
was ever going to turn up anywhere. It's, it's probably there. with them. Yeah, it's probably with Luke and his team. I yeah. reckon the motorsporttrade.com uh, would be all over it. Jump on their website too for a look, actually. They're keeping the motorsport memories alive. Race suits, bonnets, doors, wheels, all sorts of odds and ends of motorsport history, both buying and selling and consignment too. So if you've got something that you want to get rid of and you don't want to go through all the, the effort of doing it, uh, drop them a line because they, they'll look after that side of things too. You mentioned Gary Rogers. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk to Gary Rogers in a podcast hey, very, I'm very excited soon, about this. by the way. So um, we're going to go and see Gaz soon. But it it actually reminds me that it's an Amps car round, wasn't it, where he's ex-Bob Jane Tirana. But correct. absolutely pulverised at the stop corner. That's the one. So it's on a tape somewhere. We've got it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, very much pancaked one side of it. Was I think it might have been the driver's side or the- Oh, I can't remember. I think it was passenger. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, way, if it was the driver's side- Yeah, yeah he might not be here. Um, yeah. yeah, big one. Just yeah. straight in at the stop corner, which- A corner that you would never get clear cleared today. No. On a track inspection. Absolutely not. That shut you down. Yeah. John Bauer for the um, DJR book, our DJR car history book- um, told us a story because he, whilst he didn't really do any standalone AMS car rounds after he joined Dick Johnson Racing, uh, he did do a bit of driver coaching for Ray Lintot in the Valvoline Sierra, which DJR ran as a customer. Because he was yeah. Sydney based, yeah. Um, and they had to, they moved the pedal, they changed the pedal arrangement to suit Ray, um, but it didn't really suit JB. And he managed to hook the accelerator on the run down to stop corner and couldn't get off it. And, and so, for a time there, he had to choose between a very sudden stop or firing off into the bushes, and he rather wisely chose to fire off into the bushes on the left-hand side and up a fire trail and um, got away with it. Jeez. But, lucky. yeah, very, very lucky. lucky. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, the big vision's always Terry Bosnjack's Porsche, oh, the GTP show yeah. 96 at that corner that uh, I don't know how he, how he got out of that one either because- yeah. um, that joint tore up some cars. The Gazelle. Over. The Gazelle had a bad one there at Dunlop Loop in uh, 1987. That was in the Hardy Irrigation 100, wasn't yeah, it? Terry yeah. Shue was driving, I think, from memory uh, when he was sharing with Scafi. Yep. Got- Did you come, come across a pile of crashed cars and ploughed in or got the, or the other way around? Oh, maybe the other one. Oh. Ashby. Ashby, yes. Yeah. I looked at you, you looked at me. Yeah. Ashby. Yeah. <laughs> the um, Lansvale Commodore was um, across the road on the exit of Dunlop Loop and, yeah, was Terry Shield was in a pack of cars and- um, Whammo. Yeah. Just going back to our thought on reviving the Amps car series in mm-hmm. one, some modern sense, maybe the most applicable um, application of its brand and its banner could be with Heritage Touring Cars, Group A and C Historics. That's a really good call. That makes a lot. That yeah, makes a lot of sense. They're the cars that raced in that period. Hmm. Maybe they will do races at Sydney Motorsport Park, yeah. no doubt. Um, they do race at Wakefield Park here and there over the years, hmm. and they have had the odd Bathurst event. I like the sound of that. Hmm. I'm sure we'll find a way. Yeah, someone, yeah. someone will listen to this and have a great brainwave and give it to someone and claim credit for it. But oh, you know, you got to do that in life to get these things out there to, yeah. to make people understand them and. Light a little fuse with them and make them think about these things. But yeah. Over the course of time, how many rounds of Amps car do you reckon there were, given it went for so long? So, 79, then 82 to 93. So, that's what, 12 years there, 13th in 97, about four each year. Uh, I'm terrible at math. So, I was say, so why are you doing the numbers? Yeah, I'm stalling, <laughs> stalling heavily. I can um, tell. 40 something? 52. Yeah, there you there go. were just 52 Amps car rounds held. And nine of those were actually Australian Touring Car Championship rounds that counted to Amps Car yeah. point scores. And one was an Enduro. So, the only Enduro that actually was a round of the Australian Endurance Championship was the 85 Better Breaks 300 that Jim Richards won. Hmm. Because the 87 Hardy Irrigation 100 that we talked about before wasn't around the Endurance Championship because no there was an Endurance Championship. Yes. <laughs> it had been boned at the end of 86. So, that any Enduro in 87 was just kind of a standalone yeah. thing on its own. But, uh, I mean- do you ever get the feeling, I do, that there were some of those rounds, particularly 89, 90-ish, <laughs> that they're a bit- The racing not, was a bit unconvinced, was about a bit I too was, good. Yeah, I was going to say fudged, but that was probably a bit too harsh. I feel like 92 uh, was another one of those years. Uh, yeah, 92 was a year where they, they had good field mm. quality, eight, nine cars, two Winfield Nissans, the GIO Nissan, Longhurst and Morris BMs, Bondi Sierra- but they were close. They were. They they felt were very like they close. were. Wasn't quite ninety four Easter Creek two liter spec. No, but everyone stuff. understood that they were putting on a good show. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing at all. 
I think the, the right cars won in the end on those days. It's just how yes. they, they might have got there. But, I mean, there were times when Tony Longhurst Sierra should have blown away some of those Sydney-based Commodores and yeah. didn't for a while. I think he was just toying with them. <laughs> Tony but- waiting until the last lap to go past Brian Callahan up the hill. Hey. Probably. Yeah. Good I will say, though, one one race that was definitely not fudged that would that would have been a cracker there was when was that round when Dick Johnson turned up with his Sierra in 88 and Longhurst beat him off the line for the second heat and Dick couldn't find a way past. Mm. And mm. it would have been a great 20-lapper, except Dick encountered oil pressure problems and had to um roll out of it. It's funny, actually, when we look back at that era, I mean, have a look at- I mean, when Sierras were dominating, they dominated. So- mm. From the start of 88, Sierra's won 16 races in a row at Amaru across the Amps Car Series and the Touring Car Championship. Yeah. Uh, they got beaten when Jim Richards won the first round of the 1990 Championship in the HR31. So that was one out of 21. Yes. Sierra's won all the other races, and most of them were Longhurst. Bit of Alan Jones, bit of JB, bit of Dick Johnson, bit of Bondi in 88. But then so Longhurst goes and starts winning in the BMWs. Mm-hmm. But the, the dominant team at the end of the, the era once we went V8s was Gibsons. Yes. They were the strongest team that were there in, in that last year of, of 93. And it's funny, I've seen various tapes of those years and they all blend into one because it's the one track mm. and you have to notice the subtle differences in the field. But the great thing is from our point of view of doing the history of all this stuff, they're pretty much all either televised. So yep. if we don't have them, someone does and we can get a copy or Channel mm. 7 has through the DVDs we've released. You can track. I mean, you can see the full grid. Yeah. So you know who was there and who wasn't for each of the heats. And who was lined up in the wrong spot for where they <laughs> should have been. Often. Yes. <laughs> uh, or who was starting from the pits or didn't make it to the grid for that race or, yeah. or whatever. So it's allowed us to document the history in our database of stats mm. and results really quite well. And, and over time- because we have so much emphasis and focus on the championship now being the Supercars Championship, mm. all the other stuff outside of just Bathurst has kind of faded away. And I really want to make sure that we do a good job of keeping that all up and in your in your grill, basically. Our listeners, our readers, our followers, you know, whether it's socials, the pod, the website, because we talk about drivers achieving 200 rounds or 50 races to start, all those mm. numbers. They're all just Australian Touring Car slash Supercars Championship. Yeah. But there's this plethora of stuff. The Amps Car Series is a thing on its own. All those Enduros over the years. The South Pacific Touring Car Series that was held every year for many years at the start. All those standalone Enduros, the ones that were part of the Endurance Championship, the Man Champs, Adelaide Grand Prix supports, Gold Coast supports, two-litre stuff. There's a truckload of touring car history out there that really doesn't get a run in the mm. modern flavour. And I think part of it's because the modern people involved in, whether it's the supercars business or the championship, just don't know about it. Mm. So it's our, it's our job to keep this stuff out there and paddling. Totally, totally. And it's it's fun diving into that because it's not so well known. as stuff like you can dive into, say, for example, 1971, and there is a touring car race where Peter Brock raced against Norm Beachy at a, in a non-championship Winton. Event at Winton. Yeah, yeah. One of the few races that Norm Beachy did in that Shell Face 3 Falcon that he'd got from the works team. Exactly. Very it's, rare. Yeah. There's a, there's absolute gold like that all throughout touring car racing history, and it's there's a, there's a lot of it outside the championship. Mm. There's gold in them there hills. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of gold, uh, the National Motor Racing Museum, packed with gold, mm. and the best bit is you can go and look at it. Uh, of course, they've been shut for some time. They reopened the doors on the 20th of October. Uh, they're great supporters and friends of ours. We do a lot of work with Brad Owen and his team at the museum. Uh, if you're going to be at the Repco Bathurst 1000 this year, if you're in the area, even in the lead-up or mm. around Christmas time, uh, make sure you drop in. Go and have a look around. There's some new exhibitions coming. There's some cars that you might have thought, oh, I've seen all those before. A bunch of them are gone. There's a bunch of new stuff coming already there. Uh, if you want to know their days and times for opening, uh, pretty much it's any day by Tuesdays, but go to their Facebook page, that's the National Motor Racing Museum, or the Museum's Bathurst website, which will give you all the opening times and uh, the opening dates as well. We can't wait to get back to the mountain for that first weekend in December, which sounds a bit strange, <laughs> but we're going to go with it. We'll yes. go with it. And um, we're going to have huge coverage of this year's Repco Bathurst 1000 on the website, on the pod, 
Uh, we've got heaps of stuff coming up that we'll announce for you over the course of upcoming weeks too. And we can advise too that you'll be able to purchase our products, our books, uh, at Bathurst in a very special location. We'll have some more details on that uh, coming up pretty soon. What's your standout Amps car memory from over the years? Clearly you talked about the Dick Johnson one in, in 88. Is there any standout particular moment, race, car? What's, what's, what is Amps car to you? It's probably, I know I keep going back to 88, but that's the year that I remember most when I was a kid growing up. It's probably that first round where the two mobile BMWs are racing hard against Trevor Ashby. You've got race cam, you've got exciting commentary, and it's just good entertaining racing. That's <laughs> With the a few Doug Morrow double entendres yeah. thrown in, just to be <laughs> yeah. sure. Which at age, whatever you were then? Straight over the top of my head. No idea at all. Probably yeah. a good thing, to be honest Probably with you, Probably the best, yes. As well. Um, I would love to find a way. I understand, too, that not everything can come back. Some no. things are best left in the past. They're of their time. And they're of their time. I hate Saturday. And you can- Celebrate them, remember them as they were, perhaps even with some slightly bigger and better rose-coloured glasses than you did the last time you thought about them a few years ago. So mm. maybe that Amps car, it doesn't have a place in the future. I think there's a way. I think there's a way yeah. to put that banner somewhere along over the journey. Um, but we've just got to keep this history going. We've just got to keep it out there and remind people of – and because some of these people, and I'm looking at this spreadsheet, achieve some of these things that the venue's gone – the banner's gone, so it'll all just drift away Yeah. unless we keep it, unless we hold it, unless we cultivate it, analyse it, discuss it, celebrate it. And that's mm. what we do on this podcast, on our website. It's kind of what the whole foundation of, of our V8 Sleuth thing is. Yeah. So to keep um, Amp's car ticking and alive, and I'm sure if we went and spoke to Tony Longhurst or Jim or Scafie or Crompo or DJ or any of these guys who did Amps car rounds, I think the stories away from the track would be just as much fun as what happened <laughs> at the track because yes. it's the a ones different- I can tell, yes. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. of a different time when the stress and the pressure levels weren't like they are now. When yeah. there was a bit of mucking around between teams, there was a few drinks had on a Sunday night. It was a whole different time, a whole different era, whether it was better or worse or, or whatever it is. It's up to the individual, but everything evolves, everything changes, whether it's for a good reason or not, but that's just the nature of, of life. Uh, I love looking at this list because it's <laughs> we look at the lists of touring cars and supercar championship race winners at different tracks all the time. We're pretty well versed with it, but I've only just built this list of all the Amps car winners and stuff. It's pretty cool because it's really quite varied, and it, and there's names here that, I mean, Terry Scheel was a superstar at Amaru. Yeah, the Euro Cars master? Yeah, like- 82, goes out and goes bang, um, wins races at the end of 82, bang, wins races at the start of 83, uh, won the 83 Amps Car Series, mm. Terry Sheehan, up against Barry Jones, Freddie Gibson, Terry Finnegan, you know, the odd interloper popping in for a round here or there. Masterton. Dick Johnson. Yeah, Johnson had a run. Uh, Dick kept going. Yeah. He kept turning up with the yeah. XD at and least the XC. one round a year, yeah. Jeez, man. Uh, I think he got the clue in 84 that- he had a cha- another championship to win that year, so yes, the green car, but good TV coverage. I think it did. Did he run in eighty four? I think yes, the first he did. Round. The first round, yeah, yeah, and then he didn't do an Amps car round until the eighty eight hmm. round that you talked about. Um, four years on, Brock avoided it. Brock avoided Amps. Not car, a fan of Amaru. Nah, big time. Uh, he won the eighty two opening round of hmm. Amps car in the the dealer team Commodore, but then I think he barely competed in one. Until the BMW era, if, yeah. if any. I don't think he competed in any. No, nah, because he'd do the CRC 300 or the Enduro, yeah, yeah, which, yep. was, um, which wasn't a series round. No. But, yeah, just wasn't a big fan. No, it didn't need to be. No. I mean, it was a great platform to put. I mean, the privateers got a great platform. They yes. got television exposure that they would have never got at a touring car championship round mm. or at Bathurst even. Uh, and they had a bit of a chance. I mean- there's all these oddities that I look back through, and oddities is probably too harsh. I mean, Terry Finnegan won races, Masterton won races. Guys who didn't win in the Australian Touring Car Championship or the Endurance Championship or any of the other what we yeah. deem top-tier stuff. I mean, Bondi won in the Nine Sports Camaro. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people forget that. He won uh, the the one of the heats in one of the rounds in 82 because, of course, he was going to co-drive with Kevin Bartlett. Hmm. At Bathurst, so that was him getting his eye in well, before we, time. If we're talking about cameos in Camaros in the Amscar series, hey. Alan Jones. 
Well, yeah, 82. 82. In the barbecues galore car. That yeah. was a one-off, wasn't it, or a two-off? Yeah, it was meant to be more than that, but I think AJ decided, oh, I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> Camaro and Amaru. Like, if a Commodore was bad? Camaro, oh, yeah. Camaro, jeez. Yeah, it's amazing that Bondi won a race. Like, I can't, I don't know how he kept the tyres on it. It uh, must have been a wide Camaro that ten, day. Ten laps. Oh, yep, okay. I reckon by lap figures. 11, it probably wasn't too flash, <laughs> yeah. just quietly. Um, yeah, not not pretty. Not pretty at all. Mm. Uh, great names, great history, great to look back on it and um, dip our lid to those who – I mean, the AIDC deserve a big rap because they put that series on for a very long time. It created a platform for other teams and drivers to be stars for three or four weekends a year when they would, would not, not have got that coverage, would not no. have got that platform um, over time. So, yes, it was a bit Sydney-centric, but I think it was a really important part of Australian touring car racing history – of what we've got now, um, and there's some of the little things that I think we could learn from the past a lot more. Totally. That some of those short, sharp races, I would have loved to have seen the fact we've got four rounds in a row at Sydney Motorsport Park. We could have, uh, like, run one on the short track. Yes, I know it takes away passing opportunities, but just let them have it. Let them yeah. be close. Let them use their bumpers. Get into it. Yeah. Um, mix it up a little bit. Like, I would have loved to have seen uh, use the other track. Is it the Druid track they call it? The short track? Oh, short, short the, track? Uh, the other side. Yeah, so I think so. So forget the whole pit yeah. stops thing. So do like, be like Amscar. Run a whole pile of races, short races that don't require fuel stops. Hmm. Just let them go. Yeah. Let's let them go. Go out again. If you've got to do, if you're going to do six races over two days, make them all half the distance that they would have been and half the points. So you still get 300 for the weekend. So making a mess of one race isn't exactly the worst thing in the world. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, the opportunity to try things, to take a bit of history, to apply it to a bit of today, great opportunity. But I understand that there are pressures and other reasons. And you know what? we just got to get through this year. So <laughs> now's not the time to perhaps be changing all this stuff around and trying weird stuff. And But also, Shane's basically won this year's championship. So if we're going to mix it up, now's the time. Yeah, yeah true, true. So I'm not going to back away from my earlier comments. So, <laughs> you know, there was a chance there to do something a bit different. But the fact is... Um, and I've said this to a few people on social media, people complaining about the date for Bathurst, people complaining about the fact that it's their state or track's not going to get around. Be thankful that we've got something. Be yep. thankful that we're going to get a championship in. Be thankful that we've got five weekends of racing in six weeks. Be thankful that we're going to have our biggest ever Repco Bathurst 1000 with six days, piles of categories. The walls are down. The AOG categories are there. I mean, hell... We would have thought hell had frozen over a couple of years ago if you were going to say that those categories would be all running at the same event. <laughs> which, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really easy to look at the, the bit of the glass that you don't have and that there's no liquid in. Mm. But, it's, but when you do that, you're forgetting where the liquid is. Yeah, she's a pretty full glass at the moment for, Correct. for the circumstances. And, and some of the people out there, no matter how much we say that, will never understand. But for those who say... Oh, gee, that's actually a good take on it. Mm. Come with us. That's the way to play it. I yeah. mean, you look at other sports, they've been decimated. They've had to miss – yeah, we've been on, you know, a couple of months off, mm. but we're coming back, and we're coming back this weekend. So let's be thankful for the fact that we've got something to look forward to, and we're going to get our marquee event in. The grand final yes. is going to come, and it's actually going to be the grand final. So let's put, just put, put it this way. We're going to have the Amscar series, and then we're going to have <laughs> Bathurst. For all of the space – of six weeks. And for all the people who've wanted supercars to go racing more often, well, Ding. every weekend except for one, for the next six weeks, we are we are going racing. Cop this. Get yeah. this. Get this in here. This will be good. This will be absolutely big. Um, again, to all our listeners, thanks for listening. We really appreciate your ongoing support. We've had our um, Perkins book start to get posted out to our pre-order customers. Feedback. Sensational. Yeah, it's been really nice to read. It's been amazing. So thank you, everyone, for putting your money forward and voting with your wallet and backing what we do. Uh, we really appreciate it. Of course, the Crompo book's been a super success as well. If you haven't got a copy of any of those, quick jump on the website before you miss out on particularly Perkins because it's a very limited product. Um, I think we're well under 20% of the stock remaining mm. already. So if you're thinking about buying it for Christmas or waiting a bit longer, don't. <laughs> Don't. You, you'll yeah. miss out. But um, as always, keep the feedback coming. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to it now, 
Click the subscribe button so you know that every time an episode pops up, you get the notification. Uh, send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We've got a few shows in store for the rest of the year. Obviously, we'll have a big Bathurst preview show. Got a couple of chats booked for the next few weeks with various people to have a chat about some interesting things from motorsport history, some contemporary names, some older names you might not have thought about for a little while too. But keep the suggestions coming. Keep them rolling in. Uh, you are allowed to contribute to you can put some suggestions in will you might be able to send them a bit higher up the list than everybody <laughs> else uh but we love to hear from um everyone with their with their thoughts and their um their suggestions some of which we just can't do some of which we've tried and they never called us back yeah not many not if, many very if, few if, if, if one actually, in particular but if, very few if anyone's turned us down it's been respectfully this is true and appreciated our uh, advances and have just wanted to stay under the radar or focus on whatever it is they're doing at the moment. So there are yeah. a few names out there that do pop up regularly that we have asked, but uh, um, don't worry, I'll, I'll try again <laughs> down the track. I'll try again down the track. Uh, we've got Repco Supercars Weekly back now every week because we've got racing back, so you'll hear that every Tuesday. Uh, the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco drops every Wednesday with plenty of stuff between now and Christmas. Uh, review too, that's the other thing. Haven't seen many reviews on our podcast lately. Everyone's been listening to it so much, no one's been doing typey-typeys. Do some typey-typeys. Yes. Give us a review. Tell us what you like about it. Tell us what you don't like about it. I don't don't want to see piles of one-star reviews. I mean, (laughs) we like five-star stuff, but give us us the good stuff. But constructive constructive feedback and criticism is okay. (laughs) We're big kids. We've got broad shoulders. More than welcome to that. We can deal with it. We can deal with it. Anyway, hope you've enjoyed this chat about the Amps Car Series and a look back at some touring car history from back in the day we will be back with you next Wednesday with another edition of the pod with a great chat don't forget Tuesdays, Repco Supercars Weekly and Countdown Repco, Bathurst, 1000 December, be there Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool, simply type in your Rego, select your state and within seconds, you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out.